This is a free download from Delancey Union Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Union Church building at the Bank in Sampson in the Staten Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyunion.co.uk. I've been just reading through the book of Genesis, an interesting book to read, and, and there's a kind of phrase, it was like, something I noticed continually through the book was altars, everywhere you read is altars, I don't know if you ever noticed that, and I was kind of interested in this whole phrase, this whole concept of altars, uh, how many realise the Old Testament is a shadow where the New Testament is the reality if you like, so what we see in the Old Testament is a shadow of what of the reality of the New Testament. So altars, are, although they're very much an Old Testament concept, yet have incredible concepts to us as New Testament believers. There's uh, incredible principles that that we see in the Old that are applied to our lives today. So I want, to, I want to talk about this whole theme of altars, and it kind of fits in even what we heard earlier because I was thinking, you know, what we're going to look at with an altar is altar is where we kind of we we lay things down, and sometimes the things we need to lay down, the things are not really who we are. And you realise fear is not who you are. Isn't that true? Fear is not, that's not who you are as a person, that's not you. God didn't give, give you fear. Fear is not part of who you are. And so as we come to an altar, we need to learn to lay down the things that aren't really true of who we are. Uh, that's a great picture if you with that. So we're going to read just uh, one, if you like, one instance of many instances through the, through, through the Bible about altars. But it's Genesis 35 and verse 6. So Jacob came to Lut, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. And he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel, because there God appeared to him when he, when he fled from his brother. From, now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died and she was buried below Bethel, under the Terebith tree. So the name of it was called Alon Church. Then God appeared to Jacob again, and when he came from, from Padam Aram and blessed him, and God said to him, Your name is Jacob. So your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. Also God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful, multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you, and kings shall come from your body. The land which I give to Abraham and Isaac I give to you and to your descendants after you. I give you this land. Then God went up from him in that place where he talked with him. So Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, in the pillar of stone, and he poured drink offering on it, and he poured on it. And Jacob called the name of the place that God spoke to in Bethel. I can't believe it there. So I want to just talk, look about this, like this concept of, of, of altars. I think it's important that we understand the importance of building altars. How uh, many realise an altar is something that nobody can ever build for you. you? Only you can build your own altar. No one can build an altar for you. You have to build, build your own altar. And I think an altar, as we read here, it, it, it's a place we to begin with where we, where we experience God. It's a place where we, we give ourselves afresh to God. It's a place where we actually, an altar, 
is where you actually meet God. It's a place where we kind of set ourselves apart for God. It's a place where we allow God to do a work kind of deep within us. And the cry of God's heart has always been to meet with us. How do you realise that? That's the cry of his heart, is, is to have a people that he can be intimate with. It's interesting that when God created Adam, the Bible says he walked with him in the cool of the day. That was God's heart, to always commune, to always dwell with his people. They were told even the tabernacle that Moses built. The word tabernacle basically means a dwelling place, a meeting place. That's the word tabernacle, it means a meeting place. The tabernacle was the place where God met with his people. And we realise that God didn't want to meet, he didn't want just to meet with us in buildings. The New Testament concept is that we are, we are temples of the Holy Spirit, that God dwells in us. And that was God's yearning, to have a people that he could dwell with, a people that he could be with, a people that, he, that could experience him and know him. Isn't that awesome? That, 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 that's what God wants, a people that he can dwell with, a people that he can meet with. And that's the old, really, that's the whole idea of an altar, a place where God meets with you. The altar of the Lord. <clears throat> As you read this through this story, here's Jacob. And Jacob, we're told, is really facing a dilemma. And the Bible says he met with God while he was fleeing with Esau. Now, this is the place where Jacob went back to. Now, if you look at the Jacob, the actual word Jacob, as we'll look at the moment, means manipulator. He was an expert manipulator. He knew how to twist, he knew how to manipulate things to go, to go his way. And you see throughout his life all the kind of his interesting situations he got, he got himself into through manipulation, all kinds of things. And that's what he made, his name meant, the planter, twister. And I, I'm, I'm kind of encouraged to think that God wanted to meet somebody who had those characteristics. How many would feel that gives you hope? Gives me hope. Is that true? That God still wanted to meet with this character. And it says in verse 7 there, he built an altar and he called the place Bethel. Because, it, because he says that there God met with him when he ran away from his brother, or he's meeting his brother. <clears throat> now, the point is, is that this took place 20 years earlier. 20 years earlier, Jacob had experienced God. 20 years earlier, he'd experienced God. But he hadn't built an altar. He just experienced God. Here's something to see. Often we can have experiences with God without ever really building an altar in our lives. We can have various encounters, various experiences of God. But the point is, do we have an altar? <clears throat> it's possible to have an experience with God, but not have an altar in your life. A place of consecration. Do we have an altar, a place that is exclusively for God? A place that we have totally set apart from God? A place, really, the altar of the heart is our inner sanctuary that exclusively belongs to God. What I'm talking about really is this. It's really putting Jesus on the throne of our hearts. That's what an altar is. It's where you come to that place we say, Lord, I exclusively put you on the centre of everything. That's what I'm doing. 
Now, I'm putting you on the centre and I'm removing things from my life that hinder you from being the centre. It's almost laying ourselves on the altar but removing things that actually hinder God being the centre of our lives. You know, the things that are captured our affections, the things that compete with God for the love of our hearts, the people, the things, the pursuits, all these things we lay on the altar because we don't want anything to limit our walk with God. And so we put him on the throne, we put him on the core of our hearts, we make him the centre of anything because we want him to have every single part of us. Because when he has every part of us, as we heard, then we become all that he desires us to be. All those other things hinder us from being all that God meant us to be. Now notice about this, another thing about an altar. How many realise that Jacob had a past? He had all kinds of mistakes and failures, all kinds of messes that he did. He had a past. And I think an altar also is where we lay down all our burdens, we lay down all the worries, we lay down all the hindrances, we lay down all the failures, and we say, Lord, my heart is an altar, and I'm not going to allow anything in my heart, anything in me, that doesn't really belong to you. I'm just going to pour out my heart before you, and I'm not going to allow all the worries, all the anxiety, all the fears to get inside my heart because they, they contaminate my altar. And I'm not going to allow anything on the altar of my heart that contaminates what you want to do in my life. So what is an altar really, in essence? There's a couple of things that this scripture type tells us. Here's the first thing. An altar is a place of revelation and realisation. It says in verse 9, then God appeared to Jacob. God appeared to him. One thing I found about an altar is this. Every altar that's ever built came out of revelation. In other words, where there was no revelation, there was no altar. I think it, it requires a revelation to produce a consecration. I think, and I think about this, that in other words, the power to really offer yourself to God always comes through a revelation. The Bible says that it was when Paul was told, when Jesus appeared to, to, to Paul, Paul said, Lord, what do you want me to do? In other words, as Jesus appeared to him, as an encounter with the Lord, it caused him to have such a, a radical change. He says, Lord, what do you want me to do for you? In other words, when I meet him, it's no longer what I do. When I meet him, the whole course of my life is altered. So much this sense that you can't really meet God and carry on being the same sort of person. That's what an altar is, that when you really meet God and you meet him in such a deep, incredible way that the whole course of your life from that point on is changed. You're never the same kind of person again. Nothing about you is the same. Everything about you is different. And people know that you have built an altar because they see such a radical, complete change that you had that moment, you had that encounter, that altar was built, you met with God, and out of that meeting with God, that altar was built in your life. 
In other words, if we don't really have a revelation of, of, of an encounter with God, then it's very hard to fully give ourselves until that revelation comes. But how that revelation comes, it says, God, I'm just going to give myself fully and completely to you. A revelation. You say, God, I'm hungry for you. God, I need you. I think the person who God will show himself to, ultimately, is the person who makes themselves available. That's what he's about, really. An altar is really about saying, God, I'm making myself completely and totally and utterly available to you. Everything is yours. Making myself available to you. Lord, I'm hungry for more of you. I don't think it's impossible for you to hunger for God, for you to say, God, will you come in greater depth and greater ways in my life, and for God not to come. He will come, because the Bible says, those who ask shall receive. And the greater work he does in you will mean the greater work he will do through you. Now, a revelation leads to a realisation. Because when I, get a, when I get a revelation of who God is and I have an encounter with God, there suddenly comes a realisation realis- a in my heart there's things in me that need to change. Have you ever felt that? There's just things in me that need to change. I can't. There's things in me that really need to alter. Things that really, really desperately need to change. And, and Lord, I realise today that as, as, I, as I've met you, as I've encountered you, I see things in me that really need to change. But you know what? We never see those things unless God shows us. You'll never see things in you that need to change unless God shows it. Otherwise, it's just you looking for it. But when you really meet God and have a revelation of God, you begin to be aware of things, attitudes, things in you that you would never seen before. That God says, come to the altar and those are the things I want to change in your life. So, an altar is a place of revelation that leads to realisation. Altar also is a place of sacrifice. A place where the flesh was brought to be killed. You know, that's the vital thing. This place of sacrifice. Sometimes it's a sacrifice to lay down the things that we know are holding God back in our lives. That's what altar's about. When you begin to lay down those things that you know are holding things back. You see, when you let go of things, you receive things. You can't receive all that God has for you as long as you're holding on to things. But when you let the things go, God begins to come. And that word altar in the Hebrew means a place of slaughter. So we begin to lay down those things that are hindering our walk with God. Now, look at Romans chapter 12. This is the New Testament equivalent. You know, often we say, Lord, wouldn't it be awesome to see revival? How many would feel that? But then we realise often with revival there's always a cost. There's a sacrifice that needs to come, a sacrifice so often of time, resources, commitment. And Romans 12, 2 says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable will of God. 
and in verse 1, sorry, verse 1 and 12, verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's really a picture, really, of, of, of a kind of, 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 of the tabernacle. And in the tabernacle, there was a brazen altar that had four horns. Now, on those four horns, that's what they would do. They would actually tie animals to the altar, to, the, to those horns. They'd actually attach animals to it. They'd tie the animals to it. And they'd tie those animals alive to the altar. And we realised that Jesus didn't die on the whipping post because he had to die as a living sacrifice. And here's the picture. I think it's a very powerful picture. And I found this true in my life. And I think it's true in life in general. I think God sometimes will tie you to things that in a sense kill you. I can use that term. You know, a circumstance in life that you can't get away from. And you're tied to this circumstance in life that you can't get away from. But in that circumstance in life, God is killing certain things in you. He's dealing with maybe stubbornness a bit. Maybe he's dealing with self-dependence. Maybe he's dealing with a bit of pride. And in that circumstance that you're tied to that you can't get away from, certain things in you are dying and you're being a living sacrifice. Stuff dying in you, attitudes are being changed. Maybe a family situation that has tore your heart. But if it wasn't for that family situation, you wouldn't pray like you pray. Maybe as a job situation where the boss treats you badly. He promotes others over you. But you can't quit. But through it, you're learning humility. Maybe right now you're going through a time where everything seems to be falling apart around you. And you seem to be tied to it and you can't seem to get away from it. But in the midst of that, you are learning to trust God in a way you've never trusted him before maybe there's people in your life who have really treated you really bad but in that situation that you're tied to you're learning in that the power of forgiveness the Bible also calls the sacrifice of praise never thought about that word I think sacrifice at times can be a powerful attitude of sacrifice Praise can bring such a sense of sacrifice. In the sense that some of the greatest times of praise is not when you're feeling really good and feeling everything's wonderful. But the sacrifice of praise is when your world is falling apart and tears are falling down your eyes. But in the midst of that pain and that discouragement, you're praising him. You're praising him. And you are bringing a sacrifice of praise. And at that sacrifice of praise, God is going to break through. It's often, often in these times where we, that we're, things that we're tied to, that's where we grow, that's where we, we deepen in our walk with God. And God begins to do these awesome works because through the power of sacrifice, Something awesome is released. The thing about an altar is this. <clears throat> the next thing. An altar 
is a place of service. It's where the priests serve the Lord by coming to an altar. I don't think really, in essence, we can fully ever really serve God till we've been to the altar. So I tell you why that is. Because unless we, unless we serve God from an altar, altar condition, from an altar heart, there's the problem. We will then serve with wrong motives. We'll do the right thing maybe, but for the wrong reason. And part of learning to live an altar life is that we realise that we do it for the right reasons. We do it for the glory of God. We do it to sort of to, to pour out our love and our, our blessing to others. And so that's what we do. We begin to, to serve God from the altar because it's for his glory. And the lovely thing I love about an altar is an altar always creates a servant heart. Jesus is the perfect example of a, of a servant heart that came from an altar of life, living an a, a altar lifestyle. Because through an altar lifestyle, you begin to serve powerfully and mightily because it gives glory to God. Can you say amen? You know, I, I don't think we've still got that book, Richard. Maybe we have. But there's a book there, if you ever see that, and I encourage you to find it again. And, and, and it's a book of paintings. I don't know if you still have that. Oh, that young artist, is it still there? Well, there's, 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 I think there's a book there of, of, of a girl that had a visitation from an angel. Okay? And, from the, and, and she came from an atheistic home. And what she began to do, from four years of age, I think, I don't that book, if you get it, get a chance to look at it. The book there is, she's painted these incredible paintings at four years of age. I'm talking amazing paintings. And even people look at it who are experts at art are amazed by it. And she painted from the age of four to the age of twelve. Those paintings were so incredible that those paintings sold for £100,000 each. And, and she, she just, it's just a, an angel appeared and gave her that gift, had a real, a massive encounter with God, and out of that she's painted these amazing paintings. And she sells them for £100,000. There's the point. All the money that those paintings earned her, she gives away to orphanages. We're talking of hundreds of thousands of pounds that she gives away. And here's what she says. God has given me that gift, and because he's given me that gift, I want to be a blessing with the gift he's given to me. And I thought, that is a life of altar. In other words, she says, because I've been blessed, because God has given me gifts, I want to use those gifts to be a blessing to others. And really, that is the story of Jacob. God said to him, I'm going to bless you as I blessed Abraham, so through you, nations will be blessed. Through an, through a, really, through a life of an altar, it says, God, every blessing I receive, I receive those blessings so I can be a blessing to someone else. And that can only come by having that heart of an altar. Because when you've got that, halt of that, when you've got that heart of the altar, you realise everything you have, every blessing, every gift, every resources is God's anyway. And you're going to use it to be a blessing to somebody else. Please say amen. There's the next one. Again, it fits in with what we heard earlier. To see yourself. I think through an altar, we begin to see ourselves as God wants us to see us. So, as I said earlier, can you imagine this? Now, you think your name's Jacob, okay? So, it's like this idea. Now, remember I said the name's manipulator, twister. Can you imagine? Manipulator, what would you like for your dinner? 
Twister, mommy loves you. So what I'm saying is, wherever he went, that's what people would tell him. Twister, manipulator. Everywhere he went, he'd be hearing himself being called that. You know, sometimes we can be called something for so long, it becomes a label and we actually believe it. We actually begin to live out labels and things that people have put on us. As you read that through in Genesis, it says God changed his name. Now, God didn't change his name because, you know what, he said, I can't stand Jacob, I can't stand that name. <laughs> no. Let's change the name. No. God didn't change his name because he didn't like the name. He changed that name because he wanted him to see himself in a new way. And when God looks at us, he doesn't see you through your circumstances, he sees your potential. God defines us according to the purpose he designed us for. So if we really want to know who we are, we need to know what God says about us. And God said to him, you are called Jacob, which means deceiver, supplanter. I'm changing your name from Jacob to Israel. That means prince. You see why he said that? Because he said, because of that, out of you are going to come kings and priests and princes. And it's true, if you, if you, see, his genera- if you see the legacy, the, the generation that flowed, kings and princes came out of Jacob. And there's this awesome truth. You see, the way, the way you see yourself will, cause you, will accord, you'll accordingly produce the way you see yourself. Your relationships, your destiny, your careers often are determined by how you see yourself. How do you found today we're living in such days of ID? You can't go anywhere without your ID these days. Can't go anywhere. I could tell you, I'm not going to tell you, I've probably shared stories before where I've gone into airports without ID and it's not a good place to be, I'll tell you that right now. Uh, I've lost, you know, when you, if you ever lost your passport and you're waiting to check in, you know how awful that feels. No passport, it's not a good place to be. And we can't get anywhere without IDs. And I was thinking often, there's all kinds of situations in our life will never change until we truly know who we are. We're not going to move out of negative situations without our true IDs. We're never going to build right relationships without our true IDs. And as you build an altar, you begin to see who you are. And it's not based on your past experiences. It's not based on what people have said about you. You realise you are who God says you are. And you can do what God says you can do. And the moment that really gets into your heart, through, your, through an altar life, you begin to say, God, thank you. This is who I am. This is truly who I am. This is what, I've, what you've really said. You know what God says about you, number one? He says you're a winner. You know what? You're more than a conqueror. How many would say a more than a conqueror is a winner? That's who you are. And the more we begin to see these truths, that I'm not a loser, I'm not a failure, I'm actually a winner. That's my ID. And as those things are born inside you, it begins to change everything about your life. Because what is true inside you begins to be manifested outside of you. Here's the next thing, very quickly. I think altar unlocks your destiny. God says to him, because you built an altar, you have a nation inside of you. And I think an altar 
is a place where God shows you. You know what? You think about it. The, things, the hindrances, you know what those hindrances in our life are doing? They're just stopping us from fulfilling the destiny that God has for us. And that's what God wants altars. That's why he wants to, for us to come to those places and to lay those hindrances down. Just so that we can really fulfill the destiny he's got planned for our life. And the altar was the place where Jacob discovered his destiny. He laid down those things that hindered that. Next thing, very quickly. An altar is a place where he began to receive his inheritance. And I believe an altar is where you begin to, to, to receive all that is fully yours. He said to him, Jacob, if you will build me an altar in spite of your past, if you'll consecrate your life to me, I'll wipe out your past completely. It will be as it never happened and I will release the blessing in your life. And I think more and more and more, I'm seeing this more and more and more, that God's called us to live out our inheritance. We've got amazing inheritances. You know how inheritances come to you? Inheritances come to you by promise. That's how inheritance comes to you. And God wants to pour promise into us. He wants to give us prophetic words that begin to declare over our life our inheritance. What truly belongs to us. Wouldn't it be awful for you, can you imagine what it would be like if, you, if someone left you a lot of money and you never ever really claimed it, never really, really claim the inheritance that you had. That would be a sad thing to miss out on life, wouldn't it? When you thought, oh man, what could I have done with that inheritance? But how even more awful that God gives promises that reveal inheritance and we never really claim it. We never live according to the inheritance that we have. Isn't that awful? I think there's so many promises, so many things that God has spoken over our life that we've never really grasped and took hold of and began to live out that inheritance. But there's something powerful when you really see your inheritance and say, you know what, that's mine, that belongs to me. I'm claiming it, that's my inheritance. I refuse to live below the inheritance that is mine. And the moment you become a person that is, that is if you like, that, that focuses, that, that recognises their inheritance, and they begin to kind of live that inheritance. How many knows that inheritance is not necessarily for you, but that inheritance is also God has poured into you so you can pour it out to somebody else. And let's not never, you know, when you think about it, let's never live below the level that Jesus has called us to live. He died so you could have the most amazing, awesome inheritance. Never live below the inheritance that Jesus died to bring you. Amen. Let's close with this one. I went to 1 Kings because I think where the altar is built, you know what happens when you build an altar? I think the fire comes down. The fire comes down when you and I build our altars. 1 Kings 18. Okay, 1 Kings 18, verse, verse 30. Sorry, verse 31. And Elijah took the twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built the altar of the Lord, 
and he made a trench around altar large enough to hold two sears of seed then he put wood in order in order cut the bull in pieces laid it on the wood and said fill four waters with water and pour it out on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood and he said do it a second time and he did it a second time he says do it a third time do it a third time so the water ran all around the altar and filled the trench with water and it came to pass of the, two, of the offerings the light of the prophet came and said Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel let it be known this day you are the God of Israel and I am your servant and I have done all things according to your word hear me O Lord, hear me this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you've turned their hearts back to you again then the fire of the Lord fell consumed the birth sacrifice in the wood and the stones and the dust and licked her up in the water and it was that was in the trench isn't that awesome? And there's so much more, so much we could look into as a whole kind of sermon itself. But here's the point I want to see. Because he built an altar, fire from heaven fell. And there's the challenge, really. If maybe in our hearts the fire is not what it was, the fire's not burning in our hearts as it was, maybe, then I would suggest that maybe it's because we've neglected to build our altars. Maybe we've neglected the altar of a devotional life. Maybe we've neglected the calling or the serving that God's called us to. Maybe there's, there's various compromises of affections of heart that has allowed our hearts to be kind of drawn to other things. And so if the fire's not there, maybe at some point in our hearts we've neglected to build the altar. I'm convinced as we begin to build the altars of God, God will always send a mighty fire. What do you build the altar with? Although he used physical materials to build the altar, the Bible says this, Elijah built the altar according to the word of the Lord. In other words, the, the best altars to build are lies built that's according to the word of God. Here's what I was thinking. You know, a really good evidence of what's going on in our hearts is about the word of God. I think this, that if the Bible has become, if the Word of God has become boring to us, I think right there it shows that we need to rebuild an altar. And when I talk about the Word, I'm not just talking about kind of the ability to, to memorise scriptures, maybe not necessarily, or, or to, to know all the theology of it. But I'm talking about that when you're reading the Word, you feel the presence of God on the Word. And you bring your life into alignment with what the Word declares. And the moment you bring your life into, the, into alignment with what the Word says, God's fire always comes in your life. It's interesting, as we think about in these coming week, coming days, about the, about the resurrection. The Bible says that when the disciples on the, the Emmaus Road, remember they met Jesus? And the Bible says he opened their heart to the scriptures. And the result of that, you know what they said? Did not, did not our hearts, what? Burn within us. As he opened the scriptures to us, our hearts came alive. And I think there's something awesome about that. That when you and I read the word of God and and with our hearts open, and we receive something of the Prince of God as we read that word, I think our hearts come alive. Something of fire burns in us. Because it's the living word of the living God. 
And all Elijah did, he built an altar and said, God, would you come? And I think it's true of our lives. If we would just build that altar and say, Lord, would you come? Lord, would you send your fire? Would you send fire from heaven down? He's going to come. Amen. He's just going to come. Fire from heaven is going to come. And if you're the only one that even does it, it will come just for you. Because God is the God who answers by fire. He's a fire answering God to all who build altars. It's impossible to build an altar and for the fire of God not to fall on the hearts that build it. Should we just stand before him right now? spend a few moments there say, Lord, today I want to build an altar of my heart to you. I want to build an altar of the Lord. I want to build that altar so that your fire your fire will come and consume the sacrifice. Father God, we just come before you today. Lord, thank you today that, God, that, that we come before you and say, Lord, that we come as living sacrifices. We come with our altar, Lord, today. And we build the altar of the Lord to you today. And, Lord, that we would say, as we build the altar of the Lord, as we build that altar, I pray today that the fire of the Lord would come. Lord, set a fire in our hearts, we pray. And ignite a fire in our hearts, we ask you. Let your fire come, O oh God. Let the fire of the living God come and fall upon us. And Lord, today we want to be those today that you would touch us, that we would encounter you, that we would know you in greater and mightier ways. Thank you, God, today that you love to pour your fire on the altars. So Lord, we say, come, pour your fire on the altars of every heart, of every altar that is laid before you. We present ourselves today, before you today, Lord. Touch our hearts, we pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this free download from Latchley Church. For more downloads, information, Welcome to Texas. Please visit our website, Hello, Sydney,